0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared. That's me. And today's episode is going to be episode six, and we're looking at an episode titled The Return of the Old Gods. Have the old gods returned? You know, this is something that I said um, sort of off the cuff at staff meeting on Tuesday with our staff at Kirby Woods around the table. We were sort of at the end of our meeting and just uh, riffing a little bit. And I had made this comment, and everybody's eyes kind of got real wide and was sort of like, what What the heck are you talking about? What does that mean? And so I took a moment and sort of explained this just off the cuff, what I was, it's a phrase I've been using for the last couple of months because I've noticed something and I, I feel like there's a scriptural basis behind it. And so I thought this would make a good off script where I want to share this with you guys. So um, when I say the return of the old gods, i I've, it's something that I've noticed a lot of the I guess you could say the heart behind sort of the culture that we're experiencing right now, uh, the negative stuff, the, um, the negative driving forces behind our culture seem to remind me a lot of a lot of the same themes of the Old Testament, gods, the ones that Israel constantly butted their head up against. And so uh, what I want to do is just give you a brief rundown of of three of the Old Testament gods that constantly show up in your Bible reading. You're, you'll recognize probably the names, tell you who they were, what they did, uh, what they were believed to do, and then connect it to today. So the probably if you're a Bible reader or even if you're a casual Bible reader, you'll remember the god Baal from the Old Testament. Now let me let me just say in the beginning, as Christians, we don't believe any of these gods are actually real gods, okay, where I don't think that by describing it, I'm endorsing that I believe that they exist. I think the people at the time in those other Canaanite nations thought they existed. Okay, so um, Baal, meaning master, meaning lord, meaning possessor, that's what the name means. Um, a Canaanite deity. So I'm going to give you some stuff that I found from the uh, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, uh, because no, I don't have all this memorized. Baal was the god of the storm, the weather god, as well as connected to the fertility of the land. So think about the story with Elijah when they went up on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal were uh, opposing Elijah and they had the contest. Uh, They were trying to bring down fire from the sky. Uh, They obviously thought this was something that Baal could do, but think about the issue that was at stake beyond this contest. Israel was in a three-year drought at the word of Elijah. Ahab and Jezebel led Israel into Baal worship and all sorts of other things, and so Elijah comes into uh, 1 Kings and pronounces a drought that the lord has given him the ability to declare drought and that was a direct finger in the eye a poke in the eyeball of baal to say god controls the weather god controls the rain not baal okay so that story is a great picture of the the way people viewed baal as the weather god the sun god all of these things the rain god he was in charge of this cycle of seasons and in the uh, Ugaritic material, Baal was pictured as descending into the netherworld to the domain of another god named Moat. Okay, so this was a part of a cycle of seasons. And so what they would do every year to bring Baal up from the realm of Moat and ensure their rainy season would come, The Canaanites engage in sort of a orgy worship that included human sacrifice and sexual rites. All right, sacred prostitutes participated in the religious rituals, and the worship of Baal was strongly condemned in the Old Testament. All right, so that's a that's a clip from Baker Encyclopedia. So that's a picture of Baal. Okay, next is Astarte. Or sometimes uh, the, the language changes in different translations to uh, Asherah, or in the very, very old uh, text, you might see Ishtar. But Astarte was the same um, as what would later become Venus, the, the evening star. She was concerned with mainly sex. And war, and the primary function was to have sexual relations with Baal on a continual yearly cycle. Uh, they said Asherah never lost her virginity. They were, uh, she was the great goddess who conceived but did not bear. So she never bore a child. Yet she constantly was engaged in perpetual sex. Ironically, the goddesses were considered sacred prostitutes, called holy ones. Idols representing the goddesses were often nude and sometimes had exaggerated sexual features. And, um, prostitution involved in the temple was involved early on. Uh, there were male and female temple prostitutes, and you remember those appearing in the Bible narrative as well. So these fertility deities were sex goddesses and war goddesses. In fact, in the Baal epic in Ugaritic, um, Estarte appears as a nude, ferocious cavalry warrior sporting a shield and a lance. So... Uh, the feminists would love that. Uh, in the KJV, the name Asherah was translated into grove, and she seems to have been represented by a wooden cult object. So if, if you're a Bible reader, you recognize the Asherah poles. Uh, this was something that were all over the land of the Canaanites, and uh Joshua and Moses both commanded the people to cut them down. Uh, They were, we don't know exactly what they were, but they were some kind of of probably sexual phallic symbol uh, connected to uh, the, the worship. It was always near a Baal worship site, and so you would have these Asherah poles usually near the worship sites in what would be called the groves or the high places. Okay, so Baal, Astarte, or Asherah, and then thirdly, Molech, or sometimes called Chemosh. Uh, This was probably the third most common uh, other god mentioned in the Bible. So, uh, an astral deity to whom human sacrifices were offered. So, the name Molech or Chemosh, sometimes you would even hear Milcom, um, was a national god uh, uh, of—Molech was the Ammonites, and uh, I believe Chemosh was related to the Moabites, but the same the same basic God is what is what it was, just different names. And um, so this was the God to whom child sacrifice was given. Um, this is tough to even think about, um, but... This God was essentially a, a large bull that would be heated up and turned up to high heat, and then the child would be placed in the arms of the bull to burn. And uh, just an awful, awful thing. And so uh, we see this all over the Old Testament, and it says, do not offer your children to the fire of Molech, uh, or the God of Chemosh, or things like that. And so this this was a a, a common problem that the Israelites had. Uh, If you offered your child to this false god, apparently blessings would come to you in your life. So these are the top three from the Old Testament. There's other ones that we could mention, but these are the top three to me that stand out. And so I would ask this question of these old gods. Are they around today? And if so, how? How could we make the case that they're around today? I'm going to show you a verse that, stuck with me when I saw it um, not too long ago, and I've always remembered it when I saw it. Um, It's possible, after reading this verse, that the gods of the ancient world, the false gods of the ancient world, were inspired by demons, Uh, that there was something to them. Though they were not gods, there was a spiritual element to this, okay? So, Deuteronomy 32, 16 and 17 say this, It says, they stirred him to jealousy. That is, they stirred God, Yahweh, to jealousy with strange gods. Israel did this. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Okay, so go back there and listen to that. The context is Israel with false gods, and then it interchanges... They sacrificed to demons. So, pop in, pop out, synonymous treatment of the, of the phrase demons and false gods. So, to the author of Deuteronomy, there was no difference between a false god and a demon. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I think we always just think these people are out there just worshiping statues, and they are just statues— but But behind the nation, uh, the Moabites, behind everything the Canaanites, the Ammonites, are doing, there is demonic influence in their culture, rooted in their religion, that influences every aspect of their life and culture. So my question for today's podcast, to you to consider, is it plausible that these demons that were inspiring, Baal, Astarte, Molech are doing the same things today, just under different names. Is that possible? So let me give you something to think about. Baal was the god of the storm, the fertility god of the land. Don't we see today an obsession with weather and climate and environmentalism run amok? Don't we hear people saying things like, we need to have less kids for the sake of the planet. Or we hear, the world would be better off without people, that we've ruined everything. And even if you think about the, w- the willingness of our leaders, how much we're willing to sacrifice and give uh, and tax ourselves and change our lifestyle, it is a deep sacrifice willing to be given to change the global temperature of the earth by, what, one degree? We are seeing people do whatever it takes for the environment. And again, I think we should be pro-environment. But there comes a difference when you, when you obsess over it and you're willing to lay down your own life for the sake of the weather. That, to me, sounds like something Baal would inspire. What about Asherah or Astarte? Well, that's elevating sexual freedom and even sexual deviance to the level of a religion. We see that now obsession with sex. Our culture is obsessed with sex. We talk about sex and promiscuity and vulgar things way too openly as a culture. We live in a porn culture where everybody knows far too much and has seen far too much. The emphasis on LGBT sins and and sex as an identity and drag queens out in public and creepy pride parades where people bring their kids to and old men and wearing strange things or dancing. It's very weird. Constant boundary-free sex is the heart of the Asherah cult. It always was. Temple prostitution, sex out in the open, high places, as a ritual, as a rite. That was Asherah. That was the Asherah cult that, that Israel had to deal with constantly. Constantly luring them in. Well, what about Moloch? Well, that's the death cult of abortion. People almost seem brainwashed when they talk about abortion like they can't they can't fathom that there's a there's a real live baby we're talking about they can't possibly grasp it that you even hear things that abortion is healthcare that it's a a great thing it makes everyone's lives better it removes the burden on our society of all these unwanted kids isn't it great but it stinks of death it reeks it, it's it's saying that you can You can earn the favor of Moloch by sacrificing newborn babies to it. And people today seem dedicated to the sacrifice of babies, to the betterment of their personal lives or their careers, or to join in Asherah to have constant consequence-free sex without the inconvenience of the baby. So... You have people now willing to sacrifice their baby to Moloch so that they can live a fulfilled life with the Asherah. I mean, that's, what, that's the heart of what I see. So what did God tell Joshua to do? What did Moses say about this? Let me show you Deuteronomy 7, 4 through 6. He says, but you shall deal with them this way. Thus, you shall deal with them. When you go in and you see these things, you shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. Why? Verse 6, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Okay, so Old Testament, when they were taking the land from these inhabitants of the Canaanites, they were to make no deals. They were to go in and scrape that ground clean. Don't leave the poles up. Don't leave the bale altars up. And we know from history, they partially obeyed, and it stuck around with them forever. They never dealt with it until they were taken into captivity. Well, what about the New Testament? Obviously, none of us are out swinging axes in the streets and and chopping things down. Um, But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians ten two through 6, uh, 3 through 6. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. This is not a fleshly battle, Paul says. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So the game's the same, but the battle's different. He says, verse five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So Paul is saying that really, really it's the same thing going on. We are supposed to be out there metaphorically chopping down the poles and uh, in the power of the spirit through our, argumentation, through our uh, gospel witness, through our applying Christ and his desires and God's law and the things that God wants, his holiness, applying that salt to every little nook and cranny of our world and of our culture. We're supposed to be doing that. Uh, We're we're not to run out on horseback and chop things down, but we are to go and boldly make our case for what God wants from this world, for what God is honored in. We are to do that. And and so these gods are still there. They are very much around. Don't let people tell you that this is all just politics. Christian, listen, this is not just politics. We are waging war against the old gods. They may not be big hairy goat idols with horns they may not be high places or groves or ashram poles they may not be a bull with his red hot arms extended but they are at the planned parenthood or at the drag queen story hour or at the university where your kids go to school these are not culture wars Look, whether or not Starbucks has a red or green cup or wishes me a Merry Christmas, I could care less, okay? That's a, that's a culture war. What we're talking about is light and darkness, good and evil, Yahweh versus Baal, Jesus versus Satan. And guess what? Jesus always wins. So don't treat these things like respectable, moral, modern philosophies treat them like the old gods, because they are. Push back against them. Be bold in this life for Christ, because the old gods are alive and well, and we have a responsibility to apply Christ to every single part of our life. And when Christ is applied to an idol, even the idols will bow. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Share it with a friend that needs to hear it.